as we open your word, as we dive in, that we can learn more about you. Uh, God, my prayer is that uh, someone or everyone here goes away with just one piece of information that they didn't know when they came in. Uh, God, I, I, my, my, uh, my, my heart is that, that, that they understand, we understand your truth, and then we apply that to our lives, not because you want to control us, but you want us to live in freedom. So God, let us understand what it means to live in freedom by living under your plan. And uh, God, we ask, as we, if we're sitting here, standing here, if we're in this room today, and we're thinking about other things, that what we're going to do later or, or what's going on this week or this person is wearing ugly clothes or whatever it may be, God, my, my prayer is we just can put all of that aside and we can just hear your truth today because it's the truth that's going to set us free. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You all can have a seat. I, I, actually, I was talking about Bobby in the ugly clothes. So. Yeah, I know, right? All right, so uh, my apologies for last week, but it happens, I guess. And some of you are like, what are you, what are you talking about apologies? I'm going to apologize because I said last week we were going to talk about some certainties um, about uh, who Christ is and, and what, why that um, we must be certain um, of the one in which we are following, uh, and we never got to it. So in typical fashion... My bad. We'll pick up and we'll move on. So if you have uh, the notes for, from the uh, LifePoint leaflet, <laughs> I think that's its new name now. I mean, Bobby, Bobby named it. Thank you for that, Bobby. Um, so all royalties go to Bobby. So what, what's 10% of nothing? Uh, nothing? Uh, sorry, buddy. Um, 50 bucks? 50 bucks. <laughs> It, so what we, what we want to do is we want to focus on, you know, pick up where we, we left off last week and then continue on with uh, where we, we need to be. And, and I want to do a, a quick recap. Um, and the, the quick recap is that um, in this discipleship series, and it's just me talking about discipleship, and you're going to hear, hear about my heart and what I believe is, is Jesus' heart, is God's heart on, uh, or his heartbeat, and that is discipleship. You're going to hear what the truth is, um, and at the end of the day, what you do with the truth is up to you. Uh, I, I'm not going to be uh, held accountable for uh, you not doing what it is that, that you are told to do by God, not by me. But, so I'm going I'm to be pilot. I'm going to wash my hands and say, okay, here, I'm going to tell y'all, y'all got to do it. I know, well, that kind of sounds harshly. I, I don't know what else to say. I got all amped up this morning in men's discipleship group. Uh, by the way, uh, we have made a distinction now. The ladies have the crown. We now have a men's discipleship group that meets uh, on, on Sunday morning at, what time do we decide? 8.30, um, <laughs> because it's like half hour, but kind of, whatever, right around the same time, we're, we're in there, we're calling it the forge, the forge, why the forge, because iron sharpens iron, and uh, it, it gets, it, it, it's going to get, it did, did get a little bit, you know, uh, heated, you know, tension, you know, there's some hammering going on, but it, that's, that's right, that's what it, it means uh, to sharpen one another, so uh, with that, what I want to do is, is uh, you know, kind of give you all the truth, and my, my, my heart's desire is that you do it, 
Because it's not, I don't, I don't get any satisfaction out of standing up here and yelling at y'all. Where my satisfaction comes from is from the Lord. And he's most satisfied, or, I'm, or I should say he's most glorified when I'm most satisfied in him. So I want to be satisfied in the Lord. And when I say that, I want you to understand what it means to be satisfied in the Lord. And how can we be satisfied in the Lord? We could do what he says. And this is not legalism. This is loving father directing his children. God wants what's best for you. And as we continue on this discipleship series and this discipleship process, understand that. Don't look at it like, I can't do that, I can't do that. God's just trying to steal my happiness or my joy. No. Jesus said he's come to give life and life abundantly. This is what he wants for you. So, with all of that, we are going to talk about three certainties today because we must be certain of the one in whom we follow. Because a lot of people wave the banner, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Well, who's Jesus? Well, he was this guy who did this stuff and he just like, well, we have some of us have a, a, a very um, uh, incomplete, I don't say false, I'm going to say incomplete view of who Christ is. If we are going to trust Christ with our lives, if we are going to follow after him through thick and thin, I believe that we need to understand who he is. And that's all we're going to talk about today. I've got three things I want to talk about, three scriptures. Um, and uh, once we're done with that, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, I don't know, go to Golden Corral or something, right? I wish there was a Golden Corral nearby. Who likes Golden Corral? Who's hungry now that I said something about food? All right. So on your list here, it says three certainties of who Christ is. What the, where these certainties are going to come from? Here, the Bible, okay? And, and, and I, I say this because if, um, if you do not believe that this is the word of God, today's not going to make any sense to you at all because I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you what the word of God says about the Son of God. So we need to understand that all truth uh, about God, it, we, we get this truth from Scripture, and that's where we're going to dive in, and we're gonna, going to uh, pull that from uh, today. So, in awesome fashion, if you look at your little handout, does anybody need one, another one? Anybody not get one? All right, we got a couple over here, Wayne. As, as, as Wayne is skipping across the Iowa, no running, <laughs> turn to Hebrews. And, and some of you are going to say, wait a second, we're supposed to be in John. I know. But here's the deal. If you, it, it, the, the, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a little acronym here, um, a little acrostic, whatever, uh, where you can, uh, you're going to be able to, to remember this a little bit better. So we're going to start with the, the last one first. Anybody else need them? All right. He took you out. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he, spoke, he has spoken to us by his Son, 
So, okay, real quick, let's just, let's just look at this. So there, there is definitely a change that's going on. So the, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, okay, this is a way in which God spoke. He spoke to us by his prophets. Now, in these, these days, these last days, which we're still in this time, in these days, he has spoken to us by his son. That does not mean, and I, I, I definitely want to throw this up there, that does not mean that the Old Testament does not have um, uh, significance or is not relevant to us. All of Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. All of Scripture, all 66 books that are contained in this Bible, or in this, this, this calfskin here. Understand that. They, 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 uh, they're, they're, they're profitable for reproof, for correction, for teaching. That's what we're doing today is teaching. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. If you're uh, filling in your, bl- your blank here, the, the last one, which is actually the first one, uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, that first blank is going to be supremacy. We are, what I want us to do is when we are um, <clears throat> focusing and we are looking to Jesus, what we need to understand about Jesus is he's supreme. He is supreme. He is above everything else. Here, it not only says that he is above everything else. He's not only superior to angels. I like to use that because I think that when... In our day and age, what we have a tendency of doing is we think that those who are good people, we call them angels, right? Oh, she's just a little angel, or he's just, he, you're such an angel, you're such a gift from God. Well, what we have to understand is if you think that someone who does a lot of good things and is a good person, is an angel, what the Bible is telling us here is Jesus is way better than that. So just think about that. The most godliest person that you can think of in your life doesn't even compare to an angel because the, the, the angels are in heaven or in, in the presence of God. We're still here on earth. So the most godliest person here doesn't compare to the angels. And Jesus is way better than that. Okay? So we can see a little bit that it's superiority here, supreme, supremacy, when I, when, I, when I think of this, what we need to do is we need to understand that we need to be certain of where Christ is, supreme above all. And I, I love how it's explained here. Because he is supreme, um, it, it, it tells, that, that well, one, how he is supreme, but then it tells what he does because he's supreme. Look at verse 3 with me. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So just think about this. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So when anybody says, well, I really don't know what God is like, what do we need to do? Look at Jesus, absolutely, because he's the exact imprint of his nature. We're going to get a little bit deeper in this into a, in, our, in our next text here. But because he is a radiance of the glory of God, because he is the exact imprint of his nature, it says, and I love this, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. 
by the word of his power. So he says, and it happens. So just, just think about that for, for a second. How many of you, don't raise your hands, but just think about this. How many of you um, have heard that, you know, words are, are, are powerful or words are, 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 are um, damaging or words are uh, uplifting? There's, there's a lot of power in words, but no one in here can speak something and boom, something appear. No one in here can speak the, 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 at the spots of a leopard and they change. Jesus can. It says, because he's supreme, because he is above all, by the power of his word, he upholds the universe. Okay, think about that. Star, keep being a star. Planet, keep being a planet. Sun, keep being a sun. By the power of his word, he upholds the universe. So, so, so think about that. When we're looking at this and we're saying, okay, who is it that I'm following? I'm following the one who has everything under control, even when my life's out of control. When I'm out of control, he's not, because he's, he's spinning all of these billions and billions and trillions of stars, but he's still listening, and he, he's, he's intimate with me. So when we look at this and we say, okay, wow. What, what, what is it, an important certainty of who Christ is? Well, the scripture tells us he's su- supreme. So that's the first one, supremacy. The second one, which I'll probably spend more time because it's probably, probably my favorite text in all of scripture, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. So now we have the, we have the, or the supremacy of Christ as a certainty of, okay, I'm following the one who is supreme. But the next thing we need to understand is his preeminence. So the next fill in the blank there is preeminence. What, what does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Because that's not a word in which we use. We've heard words like eminency, like a famous person, a majestic, or, or someone who is in a, a ruling position, someone who is important. When we say that, that Christ is preeminent, that means that, okay, here's the important guys, right? Christ is before them. So not only is he supreme, like as in high overarching ruler, he is preeminent. He is before all things. This is, I I think, out of every, and I know I said it, but out of every text um, in Scripture, if you want to know who Jesus is, you just need this, this little group of verses. Look at 15. He, who, who's he? Jesus, there we go. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. So just think about it. We just said he's the, the exact imprint of God, right? It says he is the image of the invisible God. Just let that sink in for a second. So the God who created all wanted to make himself known to you and I. So he made visible what is invisible, which is himself. He made visible himself, and we can see the visible, uh, our visible God in Christ. Verse 16, for by him all things were created, 
in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Let's think about this for a second because it says, for by him all things were created. Through him all things were created. Just, just think about how God created. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's what it says. That's what God's word says. How did God create? He spoke through, through Jesus, absolutely. John says, uh, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. What we have to understand is the power of God, the word of God, that is the embodiment of Jesus Christ. So when we, when we, when we see this, and it says, for by him all things were created, and through him all things were created, God created through Jesus. So, so this is one of those poof moments. When, when people say, well, Jesus, I thought Jesus didn't, wasn't, didn't come into existence until... You know, he was born, you know, eight pounds, six ounces, little baby Jesus in golden fleece diapers in Bethlehem. No, 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 no. He was there at the beginning. He was the active agent in creation. Jesus didn't just come on scene and say, um, what's up? Yeah, thanks, Bob. He just say, so, no, it was, he was in the beginning. He has always been. This is something, that, the, the big word, eternality. The eternalness of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has always existed. Don't ask me how to explain that because I can't. I can believe it though. What we have to understand is, is that the, the Son has always existed. And because of this, we can see here in this text that he was there in the beginning. All things were created through him. And I love this next point. All things were created for him. For him. Now, why, why is that so important? Well, I, I, I think that we have kind of, we've believed a lie. And, and we, we, we believe that creation is for us. Or we believe that this, um, something that, that we experience is, is, is for us. All things were created for him. Do we get to enjoy some things? Absolutely. But they weren't created for you. But my wife, she was created just for me. No, your wife was created for him. To bring him glory. Do you get to, uh, to uh, uh, reap some of, uh, of the benefits of, of God's created glory? Absolutely. But ultimate satisfaction and ultimate um, sufficiency comes from understanding that all things are his. All things are his. All things are his. It goes on to say, verse 17, and he is before all things. So back to that, that eternality. So he was there in the beginning, but even before the beginning, even before the earth was created, he was still there. He is before all things. So when people, especially type A people like me, right, that when you want to start something, where do you want to start? From the beginning, right? 
Because if you don't start from the beginning, you kind of freak out and you, 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 you have this nagging feeling with, uh, I'm feeling incomplete. I, can't, I, I started on chapter two and I, 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 I didn't get chapter one done and I, how am I going to understand? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Other user, other you, others of you are just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> I get, yeah. So if we're going to start with discipleship, if we're going to understand who it is that we're following, we need to understand that the one in which we're following was there from the beginning. Before all, that's the certainty. That's that preeminence. It says here that he was before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Jake, what does that mean, all? All, all okay. All things hold together. Well, my life is out of control. Let me ask you this. Is your life out of control because Christ isn't in the center of it? Because he says he, he holds all things together. What we have to understand is when we are out of control, that doesn't mean that God has went anywhere. That means that, 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 that on our part, something has taken place. This is where I started out this, like, I can tell you all the truth in the world, but until you do something with it, until you make it your own, you personalize this truth that God has given you, I, 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 I can't be held responsible for that. You, you are held responsible for that. that. That goes back to our big idea of this whole thing. Discipleship is responding to the responsibilities and challenges that Jesus associates with being his disciple. There are responsibilities we have to understand. We, we are, you are not responsible to me. How about that? You are responsible to God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, right? You are responsible to Christ. What we have to understand is that when we um, take on that responsibility, it's not going to be the easiest thing, but it's going to be the best thing. Well, it doesn't make much sense. I, I know it doesn't. Because we have associated um, uh, uh, situational happiness and things uh, uh, that are finite uh, in the now with, okay, this is good, then I should have this warm, fuzzy feeling and everything should, all the stars are aligned and God really wants me to do this because everything's just falling into place. That doesn't work that way, though. The best thing may be the hardest thing in which you ever do. doesn't make it less, any less best. But what we have to understand, it's, it's, it's Christ that holds it all together. Let's go on. And he is the head of the body, the church. Pause. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. We've all heard that one time or another, right? Okay, fine. You know what? Absolutely correct. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian. But Jesus is identified as the head of the church. So you're identifying with Jesus as the head, but you're not identifying with the body? I want Jesus as the head. Come on, now, that's kind of, I mean, you've seen, there's been some, they've got animatronics and stuff like that in, in Hollywood. It just looks weird, a head just kind of floating around. Right? right? Jesus is the head the body of the church. We're the body. Anyone who says that they, they, they can, they, they, I could be a Christian and not go to, go to church, it's, it's, okay, I can chop off the head and that's all I need. Okay, chop off your head and see how it works. I don't mean to be gross, 
but, but, but understand, we can't sever the head from the body. We need to be together. God has made us that way. He identifies us as his body, him being the head. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? He is the first one to be resurrected and given, resurrected in a glorified body. Because we know that Jesus raised people from the dead. He raised Lazarus. We know that. But Lazarus, when he was raised from the dead, he died again. He was raised into the same type of body. Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he was raised into a glorified body, one that will never die. And let this sink in, because some people don't, don't grasp the impact of Jesus physically rose from the dead. Physically rose from the dead. So it's not just a spiritual thing. He spiritually arose. No, he physically rose from the dead. And because he physically rose from the dead, conquering Satan, sin, and death... When he comes back to get us, he's not coming back just to get our, um, our, our, our spirit or our soul. We will physically, in glorified bodies, not these, these things. And some of you are like, good, because these aches and these pains are killing me, right? No, in glorified bodies, we will, as believers in Jesus Christ, we will live with him forever. So, so that, that, that's the hope in which we have, right? That's where we can say, okay, I'm, who, who, who am I following? I'm following the one who conquered Satan, sin, and death, who lives now and lives forever. I'm going to be with him. Why? Because I'm putting my trust in him. How can I put my trust in him? How can I put everything? How can I put all my eggs in one basket? Because he has conquered death. He has made the way. He has paid the penalty for sin. So when we see this and we say he's a firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. Remember what preeminent means. Famous before everything else. He is before everything else because no one has ever raised himself from the dead and lived forever. But Jesus, right? So he can claim this title. He can reign with this title as preeminent. 19. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Pause. In him. Who's him? Jesus. I know. I, I'm just making sure we're all awake here. In him, the fullness, the completeness of God was pleased to dwell. What does that mean? Again, if someone says, I don't know... I, how are we supposed to know anything about an infinite, um, uh, uh, omnipotent God? We look at Jesus because it says the fullness of God was pleased to, to dwell in Christ. If you don't know who God is, you, you're missing the boat because he has made himself perfectly clear to you, to me. If you want to know who God is, look to Jesus. This is why, and I guess if we were to, um, if we were to, to, to take and uh, just like 
refine all this down to just like one verse, and we can only look at one verse, this would be the, the, the verse. This would be the verse in which I, I would continually just, we preach it every week, every week. It would never get old. I'm not going to do that, so some of you are like, oh crap, I'm not coming next week. Um, no, no, but it wouldn't because the fullness of God is dwelling inside, is dwelling in Christ. What we have to understand is we can never fully understand all of the intricacies that, that, uh, of God. He is infinite. Just when you think you got him cornered, then poof, he gets out of the bag, right? What we try to do is we try to put him in a nice little you know, box so I can understand him. How about let's get rid of the box and let's just look at the person. Look to Jesus. This is why for the, for the last eight years I can stand up here and say we've got one message, it's Jesus. Let's follow after him. Let's look to him. Let's, let's, let's do what he says to do. Why? Because the fullness of God, the creator of the universe, was pleased to dwell in him. It goes on to say, verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Reconciling all things. Jake, what does all mean? All. all. Man, he's 100% today. He's getting ready for a couple weeks. A couple weeks. Remember, two weeks he's going to be up here preaching. It's going to be a good time. Lots of prayer. Lots of prayer. <laughs> for you or for us? <laughs> Man, you kill it. You kill it. All means all. To reconcile to himself all things. Just think about this. When you're thinking of all things, what does it mean to reconcile? Reconcile does not mean to restore. All right? To reconcile is beginning stages of restoration. To reconcile means to take two opposing forces and turn them towards one another. So restoration can happen. It's through the blood of Christ that we, okay, so if God is here, actually, let's make God over here because we always make him on this side. So if God is here and we are here, it's reconciled, it's turning our faces towards so restoration can happen. Think about that in relationships in which you're in in your life. Everybody has some type of relationship that is in need of reconciliation and restoration. You may be in an impossible situation, but nothing's impossible with God. It says all things through him, look at that again, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Does that mean that every, every um, relationship he is going to reconcile? No, every relationship that, that he is, into, is put into the center of, he says he can reconcile that, no matter how dark, how dismal it may seem, no matter how hopeless it may be. Reconcile all things to himself, to himself, to himself. If you have a relationship, maybe it's mom and, 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 and daughter or father and son, or maybe it's husband and wife or whatever, whatever it may be, and you're saying it's impossible. Well, in, in and of themselves, the individuals, it's impossible. But if Christ is, is put into the center, they can be turned and facing Christ. And just look, if they're facing Christ, where are they going to be facing also? 
each other, right? This is where we have to have a, a, a central focus. The central focus must be Christ. It's not a, you know, a good plan. It's not a good program. It's not a good, it, it's, it's Christ. Because Christ reconciles all things to himself. This is why we can hang out with weird people, right? Again, you know, we're, we're laughing. Some of you aren't laughing. Like, what do you mean weird people? You are them, right? But we can hang, because we're, we have a central focus of Christ. We want to learn more about him. We want to grow closer to him. It goes on to say, whether on earth here in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Understand it's the cross of Christ that makes all this possible. Your sins, my sins, put him on the cross. I'm not proud of that. I'm aware of that. So when we, when we think, well, it's just a little white lie, or it's just, it's not a big deal. I can do this, and I can, all sin is what put him on, on the cross. He came to reconcile to himself us. I love you enough to hang naked on a tree, bleeding, broken for you. So understanding what it means to be a disciple is, is understanding the certainty of who Christ is. He's supreme. He's preeminent. And the last one here, turn to John chapter 17. We can be certain of Christ's authority. Authority, that's the last one. If you're looking at, hey, that says spa. Yes, you all been to the spa today. His supremacy, his preeminence, his authority. Look in John chapter 17, verse 2. It says, since you have given him all authority. So he, Jesus is talking to the Father, and he says, okay, you have given me all authority over all of flesh. All authority over all the flesh. Turn to, 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 to the left here a little bit to uh, Matthew chapter 28. In verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, them being his disciples, he said this. All authority. Jake, what does all mean? In the Greek, all. All, okay. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pause for a second. He's supreme. He's preeminent. And he possesses all authority. So, certainty. Remember, we're, we're talking about certainties that, that, that are given to us in, 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 in God's word, in the Bible, of why should we follow after this guy? He's supreme. He's preeminent. But not only that, as if those weren't enough, all authority is his. No one in here has all authority. Most of you don't have authority over your own self. All authority has been given to him. And because all authority has been given to him, when he commands us to do something, or, or things like, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
Or like he goes on to say here, it says, go therefore and make disciples. When he commands us to do something, he commands us with all authority. And we can enter into whatever it is we're doing with all authority because, hey, the guy who's in charge of everything told me to do this. You've heard me use the, the, the crazy illustration of the girls uh, at my house. So my, my girls upstairs uh, romping around, playing, whatever, not fighting or whatever, which is an awesome thing. And, and, and Shannon and I are downstairs and, and, and Gabe's down there. He's reading his Bible and he's just being, yes, Father, and thou was then the No. And, and we say, hey, hey, go upstairs and tell the, the girls to settle down. And he stomps upstairs and says, hey, settle down. Well, they're probably not going to listen. They're probably going to like hogtie him and put a pillowcase over his head or something. You know, those PKs, they're, they're crazy. It's because they hang out with the deacon's kids. But um, <laughs> the, he's going to go up there and, and, and say that, and they're not going to do anything. But if he went up there and said, hey, mommy and daddy said to stop, he goes with authority. Understanding that when we're told to go to make disciples, we're told by the one who has all authority to go and to do this. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to anyways. He commands us to go and make disciples, right? Do not raise your hands, but how many of you have, have requested something from God, asked God to do something this week? Some of you are like, okay, yeah, okay, I got it. How many of you have done what God has told you to do first? I'm not, not, not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I think that we get our priorities mixed up here. The one who is in, that has all authority, does he want to hear our request? Absolutely. I'm 100% convinced that our, the, the answers to our prayers, because it says here, the answers to our prayers will, will be um, more powerful, that's a word which we like, when we are doing what Jesus says to do already. Because we are going to pray according to his name. And he says, if you ask anything in my name, my father will give it to you. So think about this. What has he told you to do? This is why this is so important. This series is so important. Discipleship is at the heartbeat because we have been told to do this. Man, my life's falling apart. Okay. Let's focus on being a disciple of Christ. Not focus on everything else. No, let's focus on being a disciple of Christ. And he'll take care of it. How that works, I don't know. But we've been given clear command, you're to make disciples. Next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a definition of what a disciple of Christ is. But until that time, let's kind of stir and stew over, okay, can I, can I be a disciple? Can, can I follow him and trust him knowing that he is supreme, knowing that he is preeminent, knowing that he has all of authority? I don't think you'll find anyone better than, or anyone who has a better resume. Let's pray. We're going to open up uh, the front here. Uh, the, the elders will come forward if there's anybody who wants to uh, 
be prayed with, be prayed for, or if anybody wants to pray for the elders or the church or whatever. And, and hear this, you don't have to be jacked up to come and, get, and pray. So, so just, think about, just think about this. If, if you're sitting there and someone is being laid on your heart, maybe you come up and pray for someone. Maybe you do come up and pray for yourself. Maybe you come up and, and pray for the church. Or, or like Jake said, come up and pray for him. Whatever. Or sit in your seat and pray. It doesn't matter. Understand that, that, that this communication that we have with the Almighty God is something that we need to we need to take and, and, and treat it as what it is, powerful and precious. So as we get ready to sing, we're going to stand. You can come pray. You can pray here, whatever you want to do. But just let all of this sink in, that the one in which we are to follow is the one who is worthy to follow after. Father God in heaven, we thank you. We love you. Father, we ask that we could just um, take some of these truths that we heard today and, and, and apply them, where it's not just a bunch of stuff we know in our head, but we understand it in our heart. So, God, we surrender everything to you. Lord, we ask that we, we, ask that we can be a, a good disciple and make disciples, and we can do it all for your glory. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.